Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. I'm super excited about this series that we're doing in collaboration with CLASS to recognize the top achievers in healthcare technology. CLASS put together a list of top 20 emergency tech awards that they showcased at Health. We were excited to meet many of the companies and really just wanted to collaborate in sharing the success and value that all of these companies are creating in the healthcare ecosystem. Join me in these series of interviews where we recognize the top 20 emergency tech awards. Hope you enjoy learning about them because you could both learn what to do for your business, but also as a provider and a payer, learn how to scale solutions within your organization. Thanks for joining me and I hope you enjoy this interview. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. So glad you tuned in. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting an outstanding guest. His name is Mr. Hamid Tabatabai. He serves as the CEO and president at Codametrics. He's been at the forefront of innovation and medical informatics for over 30 years, and his vision, leadership, and experience and insight have helped him launch and grow several successful startups in the healthcare information technology. Prior to joining the company, he was a founder and chief executive officer at Life Image. And we're so excited to have him here. Hamid, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Such a pleasure to have you. Look, today we're going to dive into the work you guys are doing at Codametrics. Before we do, though, I'd love to just kind of share with the listeners a little bit about you. What is it that got you into healthcare? When I graduated college with an engineering degree, I got lucky that I got assigned to a job looking after technology for healthcare facilities in the greater Boston area. And starting in 1993, I started doing my own companies in healthcare because I really saw an opportunity to make a difference. I mean, in healthcare, there are really two clear reasons why you make any attempts. And one is to save lives, have an impact. The second is it's a very large market. At the moment, it's over $4 trillion. And let you imagine anything that's that large, even 10 percent waste is translating to $400 billion of waste. So anything you can do on the automation and technology side to avoid the waste is highly valuable. And once you get the bug with healthcare, you don't want to leave it. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. And folks, you're listening to this, you're like, yep, I know what he means. It is. It's an impactful industry where you can make a huge impact. And so speaking of impact, Hamid, let's talk about Codometrics. So how does a company add value to the healthcare ecosystem? Certainly. We came out of the healthcare provider setting. We were spun out of Mass General Brigham to begin with. So our number one mission was to make sure doctors aren't spending any more time than they need to doing anything other than seeing patients. As the computers have become more prominent in healthcare and medical records are getting larger and bigger, it's become very obvious that the only way to make sense of a large medical record volume is to codify it. You and I sit across from our doctors and watch them look at the screen more than they look at us because they're going through pages and pages and remembering or learning what's going on. There are codes in the healthcare system, some for describing procedures or what gets done, and others diagnosis or what the ailments or suspected ailments are. Historically, they've been used for claims processing and setting reimbursement so a provider can tell a payer what I did and why I did it. Whereas 
Machines can be a lot more clinically specific and have a lot more specificity into what's going on with the patient. So our goal is not only to add value by lowering the cost of coding during the reimbursement, which is probably roughly about two cents on every dollar, but also to translate the record into actionable things whether it's to let someone know that a patient needs to be cared for in a different way than they are, whether it's to check the quality of what happened to Mrs. Jones after surgery, or it is for pharma and clinical trials folks to be able to find appropriate cohorts faster and more accurately. Altogether, we lower the burden on physicians, the administrative burden not to have to answer during the reimbursement process, not to have to spend pages and pages of reading before they can find specific things about their patient. And we're doing our part to change that aspect of healthcare. I think that's great. And there's so many areas that folks can use this type of automation to tackle a lot of tasks that happen very manually and take a lot of precious time. So I love that you guys are getting after it there. What would you say is different or better than what's already out there that you guys do? I think everything we do comes from the perspective that we bring and the background and heritage we have in the healthcare setting. I would say there are four principles to us building our platform. Mm -hmm. The first is never lose the human connection because once you are an AI company, everyone thinks that you're in the business of replacing people. In fact, we know and we believe that it will be some time before machines can solve all the large questions and complicated questions. Therefore, the human in the loop aspect of things is something that we make center of our attention in how we develop products. We not only can autonomously automate things, but we can also put things in front of the right users so they can see the benefit of what we had assumed could be the right answers, and we can look at what they do and learn from it. The second part of the principle is that there's a big gap between the clinical data and the revenue cycle data. I'm old enough to know that computers were first used in health systems for billing, IBM mainframes and such. So the structure of that set of applications was long ago decided in a certain way. And on the other hand, electronic health records, Epic, Cerner, Meditech, others are all being tuned for clinical workflow purposes. So there's this big gap that there are square pegs on one side and round holes to put things through on the other. As a result, you have all these point-to-point systems and somebody's fixing the prior authorization problem. Somebody's fixing the scheduling issue. The reality is this gap has to come together in two ways. One is the EHR and financial billing systems need to get closer and closer aligned. And second is a whole layer of AI needs to be there to not just be point to point, but be smart enough to find out how to chisel away at the square pegs to make them go through round holes, essentially covering the data gap. Hmm. The third is we don't think any box should show up and tell people what the answers are. We think providers should have great amount of configurability and control over what the quality is. At the end of the day, it's the providers who are writing documents, who are writing the notes and the encounters they have with their patients. They should decide what the codes that go out the door are. So we 
build our system somehow that it's entirely configurable or unconfigurable, meaning if something was going on that they wanted to stop real time, they can effectively press a button and whatever it is that's going on the wrong way can stop. So we spent a lot of time making sure that the physician, the providers have a big role in how data is looked at and how codes are autonomously produced. And finally, last part is that you need to acknowledge that this stuff is hard, that it's not easy to make a change, Mm -hmm. that transformation is complicated. So we bring it on ourselves to build products that help our customers with that, whether it's connecting to us to find out what's really going on in their revenue cycle or clinical data management, so we can provide variety of reports, which doctor's notes are less likely to be automated. Why? Which kind of pair requires what type of results as opposed to others? Coding in particular has multiple right answers. Blue Cross may want one set of answers, whereas Aetna, for the same very case, may want a different set of answers. Consequently, we invest a great deal in building tools that help our customers make the change from what they've gotten used to year after year, what we can think of as expert knowledge. This Mrs. Jones and Mr. Smith have learned how to do this over the years and how to have an impact on that, bringing tools that help them make the change and the transformation easier. I'd say those are the things that make a big difference from Godometrics compared to what there is. Most specifically, we don't automate anything that we're not 100% sure is accurate. And as a result, some of my colleagues and peers and other companies make claims about 90-some-odd percent automation. I don't buy that. I simply think it will be some time before this complicated world of healthcare can be clinically and specifically translated into codes at those levels of automation. I think 70 to 80% are probably the right level. The rest of the time, you don't want to be breathing your own air. You want to learn from human beings who know better. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, 70 to 80% is still significant automation. It is. That's nothing to sneeze at. And like you said, I mean, it's more real. Like, (laughs) and if you don't know, you know, the data set, if the data set's not quality, why do you want to do something with it? So I think you're onto something with that for sure. And you're in the middle of a lot of different technologies. You're leveraging AI, you're leveraging data. What are you seeing in the market right now, Hamid? Trends, technologies that you think will change healthcare as we know it? Technology will always change and technology tomorrow, there will be a better thing than chat GPT and the next day, something else. So I'll comment on that one last. The trend that I see is the use of data to take better care of patients and bring a lot more equity into how care is administered, whether it's people who can't afford as much healthcare all the way to people who can afford anything. These trends are somewhat buried in labels like value-based care, risk-based care, social determinants of health. I mean, I love the fact that there are emergency rooms who write prescriptions for groceries. If somebody's showing up and they're suffering from terrible diabetes and that's because they can only afford eating junk food, let's give them some fresh food to go out. Mm -hmm. A hospital at home, trends for remote diagnosis, remote visits. These are all things that are tools and little elements that you can 
start to put together a tapestry of how to really care for people. Because right now our health system is built for hospitals filling out their beds, not not having people on those beds. Right. And in order to really have a health system and not a sick care system, really, you need to have data. Because at the end of the day, you have to put your resources on the places that are most crucially needed. Making sure Mrs. Jones's prescription that went unfilled causes a flag that says, hey, she's needing a call to remind her that she needs to go to CVS, so to speak. And at some point, I think technology, certainly AI, will help find patterns that human beings may miss and certainly do miss when the data is so big. But there's also bringing in data from a variety of places. A person who is traveling at 30,000 feet after having had a stroke shouldn't be doing that. So if they make an airline reservation with their MasterCard, someone should know that this person is going to go to 30,000 feet. Let's make sure they know that's not a good idea. If somebody's watching too many Netflix movies in a row when they're obese and sitting on a couch, somebody should jiggle them or send them a text. Those types of things all come together to really promote better care. It's really thrilling and exciting that that can be done. Now, all of that is against the backdrop of a lot of very conflicted interests. $4 trillion, a lot of people make money at, and that's a hard change. But you have to chisel away at this. It won't happen overnight. You definitely do. And it is exciting, you know, and it really gets to the consumer approach to healthcare. You look at consumer goods companies, they are already understanding where people spend time, what they like, what they don't like, so they could serve an incredible experience to them. Let's bring the incredible experience to healthcare. I agree with you 100%. Wow, Hamid. Well, love it. Thank you so much for being with us today. We've learned a lot about really your approach to the market with uh, Codemetrics. It's fresh. It's genuine. Leave us with a closing thought. What would you leave us thinking about? And what's the best place the listeners could get in touch with you and the team over there if they want to learn more? Well, the best place to get in touch with us is on LinkedIn or send us an email at hello at codemetrics.com and we'll respond. Healthcare is a very honorable profession. Serving it in the technology world is really a privilege. So those of you who have sons and daughters who are going to college, encourage them to look at this as a viable solution, as opposed to going and inventing one more game and one more way to chat and ping others. It is a very well-deserving field. And because all these technologies are coming together, us older people aren't the best people to bring the newest technology to the market. We want more and more young people to come into this field. And lastly, I've learned a lot from my own mistakes. When I first started doing Revenue Cycle recently, after 30 some odd years of clinical work, I underestimated how much the clinical side and Revenue Cycle side are different. Taking a look at how we can bring that gap together, as we talked earlier, is an important aspect of what can be done over the next few years. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And you've sort of gained some of those, the appreciation of the differences and are making huge strides for the integration of both sides, which is critical. Really, really just grateful for you to spend some time with us, Hamid. Folks, if you heard something that Hamid shared today that resonated with you or maybe maybe made you think, hey, I could probably do this better. Don't just stop at the thought. I really advise you to take action. In the show notes, we'll leave links to the different ways Hamid recommended you get in touch with him and his team at Codometrics. So take action. That's how you get on the rocket. That's how you take 
the business you run to the next level. And Hamid, I want to thank you for taking action and being with us today. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.